There was a man who, uh, who loved money. What, what man in here, I love money. Money's cool, you know. There was a man who loved money, and, and he was one of these guys who didn't just like money in the bank, he liked money in his hands. So toward the end of his life, he had taken out uh, some of his 401k, and he had $50,000 cash, and he, and he had it in his dresser. And he just loved it. He loved touching it, playing with it, smelling it. Apparently it has a smell. Um, and, and, you know, he just, he, so he told his wife near the end of his life, you know, when I die, I would like you to, to bury me with my $50,000. That's how much you love it. I want you to bury me with my $50,000. So she said, very quickly, without missing a beat, okay. And so the funeral comes, and the casket gets closed, and they, they put him in the ground, you know, and, and, uh, and one of the people comes up and says, you know, hey, there's a story circulating around that he had asked to be buried with $50,000. We're just wondering, did you do it? And the wife says, oh, yes, I am a woman of my word. I buried it with $50,000. Really? She goes, you bet. I wrote him a check. <laughs> I like those kind of things. <laughs> if you have a Bible with me, turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And bow your heads to me. Heavenly Father, this is your word. Help us to have open hearts to hear, and eyes to see, and a mind to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. There's an old American Indian tale, and I like this tale. I don't know why, but I think of it often. I had heard it in a sermon once long ago, and it had stuck with me. It's just one of those stories that I constantly go back to in my life about when there was an old Indian chief and he was sitting around the fire with some of the young braves instructing them in wisdom. And the old chief said that the battle within, the struggle within, is a lot like two dogs within us. The one dog is the good dog who wants to do right. Of course, the other dog is the bad dog who wants to do wrong. Sometimes, the good dog will seem stronger, like it's winning the fight. And then sometimes, the bad dog will seem stronger, like it's winning the fight. And then one of the braves said, Chief, I have a question for you. How do we know which one is going to win in the end? The chief looked at him and said, the one you feed will win the fight. The one you feed will win the fight. I don't know about you, but the things in life, the things that we nurture, the things that we focus on, the things that we absorb into our lives, into our, into our thoughts, into our senses, into our bodies, into our spirits, those things that we take in, inevitably those are the things that will choose your words in the heat of the moment. They're the things that will throw your actions when you don't think about it. The things that will subtly and underneath the surface guide your faith or how you think about God and not even realize it. So I, in my mind, you know, I, I, I have many dogs barking in my mind. Some of these dogs are, you know, golden retrievers, smiling all the time, right? And that the thing about golden retrievers are always smiling. Some of them are, you know, great games. 
mostly my fantasies. Uh, <laughs> you know, some of them are poodles, pooping everywhere, you know? But there's just all these voices. We had a poodle once, and I swear that's all it was good for. But anyway, um, not, not if you have a poodle, I'm sure they're great dogs. Our poodle's really small, didn't really thrive. Anyway, um, <laughs> what's the point of a dog, right? <laughs> and, you know, but the fact is, We've all got voices and influences in our head. We all hear things. You know, I, I've got my own voice, which is scary enough. Uh, I've got your voice, slightly scarier. Uh, I've got sometimes the voice of the enemy. Don't go there. And then I've got the voice of God. And they all kind of, at times, blend in. But for the moment, I want to focus on the one you feed is the one that will win. Sometimes I've got to feed God's voice more than my own Sometimes I've got to feed God's voice more than your voice. And always, always, we need to feed God's voice more than the enemy's. Amen? Amen. This morning, the context of the story is kind of interesting. Jesus has had quite a day. Uh, On this one day, he's performed a lot of miracles. Uh, He has healed someone. Somebody had a withered hand and he healed it. And there was somebody else who had a, a demon problem. There was a demon that was uh, either possessing him, oppressing him, whatever. Jesus drove the demon out of the man. I mean, this is, this is one of those days where the crowds could not get enough. He's healing somebody here. He's de- performing an exorcism here. This is a great day, Jesus. What are you going to do next? Show us how to fly. You know, I mean, this is, the crowds are really getting wrapped up and into this. And the Jewish leaders They look at what's happening, and they begin to tell all the people, no, 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 no. This isn't by the power of God, a good God, that that he's doing this. Jesus is doing this because he has the power of the devil in him. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was one of those Jewish leaders, I mean, honestly, if I were to ask you, you know, what's one of the things it would take for you to believe? Wouldn't a miracle be it? I mean, wouldn't Seeing a man's hand healed, wouldn't that do it for you? You know, seeing somebody who is demon possessed all of a sudden in their right mind, praising God. I don't know about you, but I don't think I would come to the conclusion, wow, the devil must be at work here. <laughs> but this is the conclusion that these, the best intelligence of Jerusalem comes up with. He must be possessed by the devil. It couldn't be God. And so the people... They're beginning to wonder what's happening because it's quite obvious Jesus is a man like no other. He's performing miracles, and yet the Jewish <coughs> leaders aren't affirming it. So they're starting to scratch their head, going, what's going on? And Jesus tells them a very simple story. It's a farmer's story, uh, a very common analogy in Jesus' day. They would have kind of like backpacks, little, little skin sacks they'd throw over their shoulder. And then they'd take their arm and kind of dump some seed and they'd start throwing it like this. And they would throw seed. Uh, you know, I know today we plow every field. But back then, you, you really had to be a wealthy farmer to have a plow. But most, you know, probably the majority of farmers, they just had to hope the seed would germinate. And, and of course, with grains, it most often did. And so they would just throw the seed where it was. Well... There were four kinds of elements in any ancient farm field. First of all, there'd be a walking path. You know, usually two or three on both sides, you know, there'd be a walking path. And so there was a path. When you're throwing the seed, sometimes the seed, some of the seed would get on the path. Kind of like when you're doing fertilizer. I know when I'm doing fertilizer, I'm doing that thing. It's going everywhere. 
And I, my neighbor is very eco-friendly. Is that the right word? So he has offered to fertilize my lawn because he sees me fertilizing the street, the sidewalk, everything. And I think he was kind of trying to make a point. But I told him, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to go fertilize next month. Are you still up for it? You're off. <laughs> he kind of gave me this look like you did know I was kind of like trying to make a point. But no, hey, come and fertilize my lawn. <laughs> so <clears throat> some of the seeds fall on the path. Some of the seeds fall on what looks like good soil. But right underneath is the bedrock. Some of the seeds fall amongst the weeds. You know, that's like today, more so in Washington here, but there's weeds everywhere, prickly reeds that kind of, you know, choke up the grass and stuff like that. And then finally, in the midst of the field, there's some parts that are very good soil, and it's going to grow up, that the grain is going to grow up, and they're going to have a harvest. What's my point? The point is this, and this is Jesus' point. Let's start with the seed. The soils are one thing, but let's start with the seed. Jesus says the seed is the word. Now, let's just stay there for a moment. What is the word? The word is the message God has for us. Uh, The word for you is the message God has for you. May not be the same message as he has for me, but there is one word that's for all of us. We'll get to that in a moment. The message is the word. If you go back to the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, Abraham, in chapter 15, it says the word, the word, of the Lord came to Abram, saying, Do not be afraid. I am your shield, your very great reward. In Psalm 33, 6, it says, By the word, right? It's not just a word. It's not just uh, a word. It's not just these words. It's not just my words. It's not just your words. It's not just any words. It's the word. That's the, the thing that sets it off in the Bible. It's the word. And it says in Psalm 33, 6, By the word. Of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. In Isaiah 40, verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of the Lord will last forever. My personal favorite, and I, I read this often, Isaiah 50, chapter 4, or Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, it says, And God has given me a well-instructed tongue. In other words, I, I think before I speak. I don't always do that, so I know some of you are thinking. Tom, that's your verse? I'm growing, okay? I still want it to be my verse. But, you know, God has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. When we're weary, when we get tired, when we get beat down, stressed, depressed, depleted, done, the word sustains us. All right, it's all going back to this thing, the word. In Ezekiel 37, chapter 37, verse 4, it says, uh, prophesy to these dry bones, skeletons, and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What's, he, what's Ezekiel saying? Those of you who are dead, come back to life. How do they come back to life? What is the agency in which they come back to life? The word. word. All throughout the Bible, we have to say the word. And here we have it again in Mark 4. The sower goes out to sow the seed. And Jesus says in verse 13, the seed is the word. In Matthew, Jesus says, we'll have trouble because of the word. In Mark, Jesus says his message is the word. In Luke, he calls God's people servants of the word. In John, he says Jesus is the word. And in the book of Acts, we receive 
the Word. It's there in all of those books. All throughout the Bible, there's this phrase, the Word. And the Word is simply God's message to us that we are being prepared for. You know, as I look and I think about, I wasn't always a Christian. In fact, especially in my high school years, I really grew up mocking the faith. Uh, I, I really did not like church people. I mean, they, you know, I they scared, still do actually. And uh, so, you know, I had this kind of animosity. And I, 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 but I remember kind of along the way, after I had an encounter with the Spirit of God, and after I'd kind of, you know, given my heart to God, I, I had, I, I looked back and I had remembered there were little times along the way where even before I would have ever received anything that had to do with God, there were these little moments that I remember thinking, wow, this could be a sign from God. And almost every time I had one of those moments, I'd get very scared. I almost drowned in a, in a, in a kayak. I had that moment. Uh, I, I remember I had a really good friend. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, one day he tells me, hey, I believe in God, I'm a Christian, are you? I got scared. No, who are you? What are you doing? Why didn't you tell me that before? I remember he invited me to youth group. I was so scared about what was going to happen in youth group, I showed up high the first time. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I showed up high so that, you know, some of you don't know this, but when you're high, things just go past you. Because I was afraid something might happen to me. But I remember there was these signs long before I had actually made that decision or that commitment that there was a preparation, that God was preparing my life for the word that he had, the message that he had. So we say, okay, what is it? What is the word here in Mark 4? It's very simple. God is real, and God loves you, that through Christ all of your sins are forgiven, <coughs> that through Christ we will all live forever. That's the word he was planted. The word the Jewish leaders had to reject. God is real. God loves you. Masculine, feminine, however you want to take it, God loves you. Through Christ all of our sins are forgiven. And through Christ, we live forever. That's the word that's trying to be planted in Mark chapter 4. But I would submit to you this. That may be the first word, but that's not the only word. Many of you, perhaps all of you, would say, well, yeah, I got word number one, Tom. Is that what I really got up out of bed and brushed my teeth and combed my hair to here? Well, for some of you, maybe. For others of you, there may be an additional word that God is trying to seed in your heart. Words like, uh, lay down your anger. Words like, forgive your brother. Words like, stop cheating your boss. Words like, when you're driving down the road and you pass uh, an auto dealership and you see a bright red truck. And the word of the Lord comes to you. Buy Pastor Tom that beautiful red truck. Why are you resisting the Holy Spirit? I don't understand why you do this. You will be blessed. 
Okay, let's... <laughs> Some of you are having a word right now. Give Tom 20 bucks cash. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was going over this with my son, and I said, so what's your word? He goes, root for the 49ers. <laughs> he said, did God really give you that word? He's like, I don't know. I'm just having fun with that. So how, you know, how do we prepare the soil? If that's the seed, and we can all agree that's a good seed. Is that a good seed? That God is real. God loves you. That in Christ all your sins are forgiven. That in Christ you live forever. You don't have to fear death. You can die with a smile on your face. That's a good seed. That's a good word. How do we prepare our hearts for something like that? And uh, point number one on your sheet is human beings must prepare to receive it. Point number two on your sheet, which is point number one on mine, first thing is plow up the hard soil. Remember, some of the seed fell on the, on the path. It fell on the hard path. Some of that seed fell on the hard path, and before it had a chance to do anything, the enemy, in the form of a bird, came and ate it up. Never had a chance to germinate. And interestingly enough, the, the picture that I get, and I know not everybody gets these kind of weird pictures, but I've met a lot of people. In fact, in the churches that I've been a part of, you'll often have a set of parents, older parents, and they'll say, you know what, Tom, my son's about your age. And he just, you know, he was raised in church and, and everything, and all of a sudden, when he was a teenager, he just turned away, never came again. And, you know, can you meet with him and just kind of find out where he's at? And so I will. And I'll ask him point blank. I said, you know what? Your parents want to know where you're at with God. You know, I'm not going to lie to them. Here's what I often find. They've got no problem with God. They've got no problem with Jesus. They've been hurt by the church. Or they've been hurt by something or someone. That their heart was open at one point and people kept stepping all over their heart. And the more you get your heart stepped on, the more abuse that you get, or the more abuse, the more abuse that you give, you know, abusers get a hard heart just as much as those abused. They just began to get hardened. I've met with hundreds of them. I'd rather meet with them. Because it's the healthy who need a doctor, not the sick, right? And I love talking to them. Oh, wait, wait, did I say that wrong? <laughs> Some dogs are barking in my head. You know, I just got to <laughs> feed the right one. All right. And so I, I'm talking to him, and man, hearing the stories of people who are like, I just can't receive the, I just can't, I can't believe what you're saying. I can't accept it. I can't, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't. When I begin to pry deep enough, there's usually something there that hardened toward it. Just hardened. An abuse, something happened. Maybe it was a coach that just so slaughtered their self-esteem. They're just gone. They're not even a former shadow of the potential of who they once were. Maybe it was an ex-wife or an ex-girlfriend or an ex-boyfriend or an ex-husband that just destroyed them. And now their, their heart is like that hard path. People, walk on, walk on me all you want. I'm hard. You'll never break this heart. You see it. I can see it in their eyes. They're almost angry at me for trying because it's like I'm taking a fork and rubbing it over the road, over the hardened path. 
Just begin to dig up and churn up a few of the little pebbles. The fact is, you know, we get reprogrammed. Oh, you don't know what the family member said to me. Oh, you know what? Why do I think this way? With these folks, often what's needed to prepare to receive the true word is God will begin to come and plow. And it's not always a fun thing. I had it happen to me. If there was any hard heart when God tried to crack this egg, I was hardened to it. It wasn't just pleasure. I wanted to be free. In fact, I told the missionary that. The missionary was trying, right in the country I live, he tried to convert me every day because you could get high in public in the country I lived in. And so he'd walk by and he'd try to convert me. And I'd always tell him, I want my freedom. One day he looked at me and he said, you're not free. But you could be. And I think, oh, I'm so stupid. Yeah. But there's a hardness there. Things began to happen where God was plowing up some of that hardness from abuses I had had way back in there. And pretty soon, at one point, the seed drops, and you just see it in a whole new light. You know, when you're, when you're still living through the perspective of being abused, of being a victim, you see the world one way. When you're healed of it, it's the same world, it's the same California, it's the same Bakersfield, it's the same 7-Eleven. You see it in a whole different way. You receive something that changes your perspective in a whole new way. That's what it was for me. Perhaps it'll be for you. Number two, plan to go deep. By the way, people were making fun of my my dog there. I don't mean to be offensive with that, but I think it's kind of funny, isn't it? <laughs> dog digging a hole. Anyway, uh, sometimes the soil is shallow. You can't always see it. But, you know, what happens is somebody receives the word very much at first, and they get excited. It's great. Oh, yes. Jesus. You know, and they start just, you know, they go all out. And then it lasts about a month or two, maybe three. It just kind of fizzles out. Almost like an emotional phase. Into it one moment, onto something new the next. When Jesus says, this is like seed that falls on shallow soil, because the bedrock is close to the surface. It, it, it has enough water to wither for a moment, to, to spring up for a moment, but then as soon as hardship comes, it begins to wither and fade away. The moment that faith gets a little hard, or God says something we don't want to hear, often it can kind of be like, bam, I'm out of here. And I, I, you know, when I used to direct the camps up in Seattle, one time this kid came, and, and he was an incredible kid. Uh, he had shared a message, and I mean, we were all thinking this kid's going to be the next Billy Graham. And he's singing this. He was like a little songwriter. He was good on guitar, and you know, he was cute. I guess all the girls really liked him, even the cabin leaders. And and so you know, he's just one of those guys where you just think, wow. I mean, everything this kid touches turns to gold. And he's had this 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 almost over exuberant faith. I mean, it was just pouring out of him. And then I get a call uh, from his pastor about three weeks after the camp. I said, hey, he's gone. And we don't know where he's at. Has he called you or anything? Because we, we'd become friends. No, he had called me. 
three months go by, years go, never heard from the kid again. And I just said, you know, all I could say is, we don't know what happened to him, but obviously the roots didn't go down too deep. Yeah, guess not. You know, there's a, another, when I was curling up, I used to love judo holds. You might remember those, you know? Now it's just like Fight Club. <laughs> you know, it's just, there's no holds, it's just two animals in a cage. But you know, back in the more civilized era, the 80s, uh, we used to do judo holds on each other, you know? And, and I remember there's a story of a kid who wanted to go to a judo tournament, and so his parents found the best teacher in the city. And that person uh, taught the kid one judo hold. He showed up the first uh, practice, and the teacher says, okay, and he shows him this hold and, and this move. And then for the next 11 weeks, the teacher and the student work on just that one hold. And so the day of the tournament, the student's kind of getting a little nervous and says, you know, teacher, I don't think I'm ready for this. I mean, I only know one thing. These people, they know lots of things. The teacher said, don't worry, you'll be fine. And sure enough, after the tournament, uh, the boy had managed to survive and he had won the tournament. And he went to his teacher and he said, you know, I, I don't understand how I won. You, you only taught me one thing. And the teacher said, you won for two reasons. First, you mastered one of the most difficult holds in judo. And second, there's only one defense against it. And that is for your opponent to grab your left arm. Those of you who know, judo begins your right arm. They, they have to cross over your body and get your left arm. See, what he's trying to say is the boy's biggest weakness had become his biggest strength because his roots went down deep because he mastered that one technique. See, a lot of us, we know a lot of surface stuff about God or Christianity, but none of those roots really go down too deep. And one of the things that Jesus is really encouraging us to do is to plant some of those roots down deep. Now you may say, Tom, what's the suggestion? Here's one suggestion. Rather than trying to buy the one-year Bible, and read it in a year. I understand some of you do that. I'm not trying to diss it. But let me give you an alternate suggestion. Find one book. The Gospel of Mark. The Book of Acts. The Book of Genesis. The Book of Revelation. Find one book. And just focus on that one book. And buy commentaries and helps and aids on that one book. Google that one book. Look for sermons on that one book. Just go, take, for example, the Gospel of Mark, and just go, just go, sorry, I thought of it because I looked at Mark right there, so, but just go deep with that one book. And one of the things that Jesus is saying is the depth of that study could make you more rooted because by going deep in one study, you're going to begin to connect all the other things in there. You know, in the, in the school I'm in, uh, for, for, for a theology degree, I thought I would get all the books of the Bible. There's 66. I've only taken nine classes, nine different books. So that means there's 54, seven, uh, 57 books that I have not studied in depth. Book of Ezekiel would be one. And I think to myself, I don't know if I can really say I'm a theology or, the, you know, that I really know it because I... But, you know, I'm thinking of, as I thought about this message, 
those nine went so deep that it's interconnected with all those other books. I see now what the depth of roots can be. So find one thing and plan to go deep with it. Point number four, right, on yours? Yeah. Oh. Purge the competition. Purge the competition. This one hardly needs any explaining. We're all Americans here. In Jesus' day, they would have thought, this is not the one I really need to worry about. We're poor peasants under Roman dominion. Believe me, this world doesn't have much to offer me right now. <laughs> but for us in our situation, much different thing. The desire for luxury. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people describe luxuries as necessities. And they're really not. I need four things in my life. I need food. I need clothes. I need, I guess I only need three things because I don't know if I really need a roof over my head. But a roof over my head would be nice. And I need toilet paper. <laughs> if I had those four things, I could survive. Take out any one. I don't know if I can live. But those four things, and, and good to go. Uh, you know, so often, and what Jesus is really saying here, and I, and I see this more, it happens more when we age, is all of a sudden, stuff begins to get in the way. People just grip onto it. I'm always sent to talk to a lot. Talk, Pastor Tom, go talk to this person about God. And I'll start talking to them, and I can just tell their stuff God is never going to get between them and their stuff. I mean, it's just any seed that falls there, even if it's looked at in the very next beat, it's all my stuff. But, you know, whether that's money, whether that's security, safety, health, relationship, whatever it is, there's things we just grab onto. And here's all I want to say about this. There's nothing we grab onto didn't first come from God. Amen. There's nothing here on this earth didn't originate with him. Those relationships, the money, the friends, your health, these things, they are all gifts from our Heavenly Father. And it's so odd that we grip onto the thing we get and lose sight of the one we gave. And I think Jesus is really giving us just a wonderful remembrance to say, you know what? At the end of the day, God is the one who made all this. Let's not forget where these come from or else we make it choked out of the life of God. Amen? Amen. And then finally, uh, patiently wait. Patiently wait. The soil springs up slowly. Sometimes you have hot, dry days. Sometimes we have drenched with rain days. And then in between, you got a whole lot of regular days, don't you? That's kind of life. Sometimes you got a dry season. Sometimes you got a wet season. And a whole in between, you got normal season. And 
of course, Jesus' admonition is when the soil falls on the good, when the seed falls on the good soil, may not spring up right away. But when it springs up, its roots will go deep, and its fruit will reproduce 30, 60, or 100 times over. There was a fisherman in Texas who went fishing one night out into the Gulf, right? Gulf of Mexico. And he was with another friend. And what had happened is, as the afternoon rolled on, fog rolled in. And as the fog rolled in, uh, they're, they're, they began to worry about getting back to the harbor. And so uh, the one friend says, I think we need to go this way. But he thinks, no, I think we need to go this way. He says, well, do you have a compass? He goes, oh, yeah, I have a compass. So he got the compass out. And the man was almost sure that the compass was going to say, we've got to go this way. But the compass said they had to go that way. So the friend wants to go this way. He wants to go this way, but the compass says go that way. He's got a choice. Which dog is he going to feed? Which voice is he going to listen to? His own wants to go this way. All his buddies are telling him to go this way. But the compass is saying to go that way. So his better judgment got a hold of him. And he followed the compass. But here's what happened. They didn't find the harbor right away. So the friends go and see. See? You should have went my way. You should have went where I told you. We'd be there by now. Now we're going to float out in the gulf and they're going to find us days later dead. And he said, let's just go a little longer. Let's give the compass a chance. And pretty soon, within an hour, they began to hear the waves breaking over the shoals of the harbor that they had come out of. And they found their way safely. Because they had that compass. Couldn't see in the fog. But they had that compass. That seed, that voice, that message from God. That's just for you. Bow my head. Bow your heads with me. Worship him from forward. Heavenly Father, this morning, as we look at the Word, God, I pray that we would ask ourselves, what is your message for us? Lord, what is the Word for us? For some of us, it may be that first word, that God is real, that God loves you, that God is love. That through Christ all our sins are forgiven. That through Christ we have eternal life. For others of us it may be that is a word received but now there's another word. Lay down your anger. Stop cheating your employer. Be more affectionate with your wife. Go talk to your son. He needs you now. Go invite your neighbor to church. I have, a, I have a word for him. Go give your friend a hug and tell him everything's going to be okay. Go pray for that person you know is in the hospital. God, may these words fall 
on good soil. And for those of you considering that first word, that word that says, you know what, God, I believe. I believe the gospel. I receive this. You are real. You do love me. I want the forgiveness of Christ. I want eternal life. And I'm going to ask just after the service, after we conclude, just come on up. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, I, I could have you raise your hand right now, but so often that's the emotional. It's easy to raise a hand and then forget about it. Come forward. Come talk to me. Come talk to Jerry. Come talk to Wayne and Linda. Come talk with us. Let us reason together. So we can all experience the joy of the seed and the word. For the rest of you, why don't we go ahead and stand real quick and close with it.